Well, good morning again. And um, I'm going to start at a place this morning that um, some of you might feel that we're going already, but like, I'm just going to sort of bite the bullet. Um, basically, next week, six weeks, we're going to be talking about the word evangelism. Now, straight away, that presents different feelings in a lot of us. Like, and, and they're, they're sort of some, for some people go, oh, yep, we're, that's what we're meant to do as Christians. And the last time I shared my faith was 22 years ago, and it was great. For some of us, like, we go, yep, we're commanded to go out and do it, and it's what our church should be about, and I'm, I'm glad Pastor Keith goes out and does it, because that's his job. And, and the thing is, what's sad is that basically that's the way the church has gone. When, when the church was first born, you had uneducated, unqualified people who basically, while they were being persecuted, along the way would tell people about Jesus. Running for their lives, tell people about Jesus. And without a home, tell people about Jesus. And so what happened? Of course, being unqualified and uneducated, the church exploded across the known world. And now today we think, oh, I've got to go to Bible college, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to be a leader, I've got to be better prepared before I can share my faith for Jesus. Well, it's not the way the Bible did it. Not at all. In fact, that would make all of you... Well, some of you may be overqualified for doing it, but most of us fit into that uncomfortable place of feeling, I'm not good enough to do this. But we are commanded to do it. The great thing about evangelism, what it does is it presents the hope of Jesus Christ. And I think for some of us that's where maybe we struggle, because sometimes we don't live with the hope of Jesus in our lives. We know it up here, but it's not down here. We, we go, you know what, I know that Jesus came to give me life, but the life he gave me I'm not really enjoying. And we go, we, we miss the joy that God has given us and wants us to live by. And then we come to the reasons, and, and maybe we have good reasons. Maybe we're living in a country where if I say Jesus' name, I'll be persecuted, I'll be arrested, I'll be put in jail, I'll be executed. Wait a second, we don't live in that country, do we? And, and the thing is, like, maybe we live in a place where, maybe you're in a job where it's illegal for you to talk about Jesus. I've, uh, well, or against their uh, policies and procedures. I've worked in jobs like that, where I've been unable to engage a question, uh, uh, the conversation about Jesus. But if people ask me, I can talk about it. But I can talk about so many other things that are detrimental to the world that I'm given freedom to talk about. And so sometimes we, our hands are a bit tied in some of the places we work, but overall, there is, there is a lot of open doors that we can walk through. So then we get to the point of, and this is where our uncomfortability comes in, is the excuses. Some of you here would go, I am too young. Some of you can't use that excuse, okay? Just so you know. You have to use the other one, I'm too old. Okay, you sort of go to that one. It's really, if, it, if it's too old and too young, if you're right in the middle, that's not an excuse you can use. But... God has used young people, God has used old people, and God has used people in the middle. So again, that excuse doesn't stand. Maybe I don't know enough. Again, some people that have led people to Jesus Christ didn't know much at all. In fact, I was at one of the workshops I went to at National Conference, which uh, was really exciting to listen to, it was about basically engaging people by asking, would, would they like to read the Bible with you? And so it's a, not going into the whole process, but this, this pastor actually, has actually seen growth of 10% to their church every year for the last 10 years. 
because of this thing that they've been doing. But he said he's got multiple stories about someone they've actually led in the process of engaging, reading the Bible, who have not come to Christ themselves, and all of a sudden they're going to engage other people to preach and, and to read the Bible together. In fact, there was one story he shared where basically he started reading the Bible with this Muslim guy. And so just reading the Bible, and they asked a few questions, they both read together. Anyway, um, he gave him the challenge, well, who would you like to go do this with this week? Oh, I've got a few friends I might go read the Bible with this week. So here's a non-Christian man who basically was his first time ever reading the Bible. And so he went and got a whole lot of his Muslim friends together and as they were reading, they read the passage of Philip the, uh, uh, and, uh, with the Ethiopian eunuch and as they were reading it, they asked a lot of questions and one person sort of said, I want to be baptised. So here were non-Christian people who basically were of a different faith background who all of a sudden through reading the Bible went, you know what, there's something in this. And so the guy who had actually led, started the ball, this pastor, he said, so what did you do? Well, we led them to Christ and baptised them. So God can use anyone. So don't, don't, if we've got the hope, if we've got the, the truth of Jesus in our life, God can use anyone. You young people can talk to your friends. You can talk to your friends at school. You can talk to those people around you. And most of all, you can pray for them. So when it comes to evangelism, it is one of these things that sometimes we feel guilt because we don't. Sometimes we do feel overwhelmed because it seems such a big job. But the thing is, if we have the true hope of Jesus in our life and we care about the people that are around us, why should we be afraid, lazy, guilty, unwilling to share the love and hope of Jesus Christ with those that we care about? If you truly believe in the message that we have and you don't pass it on, the reality is there's got to be something wrong with us then, isn't it? Like It, it, it becomes this... Okay, why am I not doing this? Why am I not willing to take it out? So over the next six weeks, we're going to be talking about evangelism. And we're going to be talking about how you can be involved in that. So I'm very rarely going to be talking about how it's the pastor's job or anything like that. I'm going to be talking about how we can be preparing a way for people to come to know Jesus Christ. Now some of that is going to be, we will plant seeds. Some of it's actually going to go, oh, this soil's too tough, like we talk about the parable of the soil. We might just be preparing soil in people's lives, and we don't see any fruit of that. For some of us, we might be getting get into that place where we are able to see the fruit growing, and we are able to sort of pluck it at the right time, and we are able to lead someone to Christ. But it's all about preparing people so they can find Jesus. And we're going to be looking through the lens of, of John the Baptist, and, and what he did. So what do you know about John the Baptist? Anyone sort of just want to throw out a few quick facts? What was that? Animal skins and bugs. So one good thing, I'm not going to ask you to eat bugs or, well, if you're wearing leather, you're probably wearing animal skins. But other than that, you don't have to go wear wild animals and grow your beard really long. Pete, you can keep yours though. But, but the thing is, everyone else, you don't have to do that just to be like John the Baptist. But... So he lived out in the wilderness. He, he, he lived pretty rough. What else do we know about Jesus? He prepared the way for Jesus. So don't preach my message, please. I'm getting to that in a second. So, um, but he prepared the way for Jesus. What else? was? He lived in the wilderness. He was beheaded in the end. Again, I'm hoping that doesn't happen. I'm hoping that's not the result of our sermon. I hope that doesn't happen to me because my sermon's not any good. But anyway, what else do we know? He was, he, he was the baptizer. That's where we get the name from. 
John the Baptist, that's not his last name. Okay, some of you might think, John the Baptist, what are his parents thinking? No, he was John the Baptizer, and back in the past, they must have been like Australian, we've got to shorten everything. So John the Baptist became what he was known as, because he would baptise people out in the wilderness. Anything else? He was Jesus' cousin. He was related to Jesus. That would have been one of the first things I mentioned. Like, if I was John showing up to a party, guess who I'm related to? Like, Jesus. So, like, that would have been a pretty good thing. So there's lots of little things we know about Jesus, about John the Baptist, um, and we'll be talking next week about his birth because the, the way he was brought up becomes a significant impact for him and what he did. And so we're going to be talking about that next week. But today we're going to sort of, uh, like um, Elijah, I mean Luke 1.17 said, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. So basically um, John was actually given the job of being a forerunner even before he was born. So this was right before he was born. And John would actually say things like, Behold the Lamb of the God who takes away the sin of the world. That's a big announcement, but it's pointing to Jesus. I've seen him testify that this is the Son of God. And it was John who said, After me comes one whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And he even got to the point, He must increase and I must decrease. It's probably one of the reasons that John actually was declared by Jesus himself that he was one of the greatest people that ever lived because of the job that he did and his willingness in which he did it. John came to prepare people to receive Jesus. That was his life calling, even before he was born. In the same way, with the words that Jesus left his disciples at the end, that we are to, as we are going in our world, make disciples, teaching them everything we know about Jesus and baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Basically, that's the call that's put on us as we come into the, the, the family of God. But John came to prepare people to receive Jesus. And, and John 1.7 says, He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. The thing is, what we need to realise is that John, like Jesus, was actually spoken about a long time before his birth. We, we know the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth and how and the announcement came to the angel, but even a long time before that, about 700 years, there was already indicators of, of, of John the Baptist coming. In fact, um, John actually had a number of different um, Bible verses that uh, were applied to him um, and the message he uh, brought. Um, and so... 700 years before he was born, this was not a message directly from John, but it was, was delivered by, through the prophet Isaiah to the people of God. And see, at the time, the, the nation of Iran, which was then called Assyria, so if you want to place it in the world where Iran is, is Assyria, um, Iraq, that was Babylon. So if you want to sort of picture it that way, you can sort of get a bit of a feel for it. And Assyria was strong and aggressive. So even though Babylon did conquer, they weren't as vicious to the conquered nations. Um, yes, they made examples of people, but Assyria was vicious. Um, and that's understanding that when going, just taking a slight tangent, that's why Jonah had such a struggle to go and call people to basically repent in Nineveh. Why? Because it was Assyria. It was the capital of Assyria, and, and Jonah didn't believe they deserved God's mercy because they were so vicious. 
And so they were basically at the time of Isaiah, they were going around the, uh, the nations and they were just gobbling them up. Um, and it was a very frightening time if you lived in the vicinity. And so God does what he always does. He, when his people are in peril, he sends a prophet, which was Isaiah, and to the king of the time, which was Hezekiah. And, and Hezekiah got a reprieve from the oncoming onslaught of the Assyrians because he sought after God. Um, God basically said to Isaiah, it won't happen in your lifetime, but it will in your children's and your grandchildren's. And I don't know what would be worse, knowing that, oh, okay, I won't see it myself, or know that my kids would be impacted, but that was the message that happened. And so, basically, by the um, Isaiah 39, ends with the prophecy that Judah is going to be overrun one day by Babylon. So basically, they've got a reprieve from Assyria, but Babylon is coming and they will conquer you. They will, they will take you away. So the people, even at that point, even though it was going to be generations away, they were devastated and they were mourning and God heard their mourning. And as he always did, God always, he all responded in a way he always did. And again, he sent a message that was not only true for them, but a message that became, comes true for us. And it was God starting to prepare the way for John to prepare the way for Jesus. You can see God's intricacies here where he goes, you know what, I'm not going to leave this a chance. This is going to be well planned out. And so what we can come from that, that God always has a plan for his people. Now some of us, we can't see God's plan. Right, right now you might be in a place, I cannot see God's plan in what's happening. For some of you, you might get a, you've got a glimpse of something, oh, God's going to take me this direction, I'm really excited about it, and, and it could be great, God could take you that way, praise God, or God can go bang and shut the door, you're peeking in the wrong door, I've got another way for you to go. But what we need to realise, no matter where you find yourself right now, God has a plan for his people, and if you call Jesus Christ the Son of God, your Saviour, God has a plan for you. You may not see it, but it's there. In verse 3 it says, A voice of one crying out, Prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make, straight, make a straight highway for our God in the desert. Every valley will be lifted up and every mountain and hill will be levelled and uneven ground will become smooth and the rough places are plain. It's from Isaiah 40 verses 3 to 4. And so what we, we need to realise is that in this, in God's plan, was that Jesus was to be announced. Jesus wants to be announced. See, significant people are announced. Kings and queens are announced. I've not, I've not been to Buckingham Palace, but I'm assuming if you were at a formal function that someone would come out, probably bang a big stick on the ground and saying, the Queen, Queen Elizabeth, Her Majesty, blah, 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 and would basically announce her to the audience. If you're at a, a formal function, you'll see politicians are, are introduced and they are welcomed. And do you know what? For some of you with kids... You may feel that you're announced all the time in ways that you want to, don't want to be announced. And you could say the roses are here five minutes before we actually walk in your door as, as our children gather up. And so on a side note, if you feel like your kids are announcing you in ways that you don't want to be announced, hold on to the hope that maybe they just think you're significant. It may not be true, but it's something to hold on to. But Jesus was to be announced. And John was to make it easier for Jesus to get to the people. That's what he was, he was born to do. He was born to make it easier so the people could get to Jesus. Now straight away that becomes a struggle for some of us because we still live about with the idea that life is about me. 
And if my life's purpose is about promoting someone else, I'm going to diminish them. But we said that phrase early on. If Jesus' ministry is to increase, I must decrease. And I think that becomes the important thing. But there is a flip side in that. There are some really godly people who I know give God glory all the time. And because of their faith, because of humility, at the same time, then people turn around and go, oh, you are such a man of faith. So they still get that credit along the way but because they're giving all glory to God. So we need to learn to, to basically point people to Jesus. And John was to make that easier to do that. And, and the thing is, he saw those verses I read before about the idea of, of the mountains being sort of brought down, the valleys being raised up. And, and the first picture I want you to grab a hold of is, is our highways. Um, for those who may work on roads or dumb stuff, you might see this. But the thing is, when you look at our highways especially, and you're driving along, there's a mountain in the way. What do you do? You don't go up over the mountain. You basically cut a big hole in it. We want to make it easy. We want to make it fast. We want to build five lanes or six lanes or to go through this. So we, we want to, we're going to put a hole in the mountain. We come to a valley. We don't want to go down and then up. Let's build a bridge so we can just keep going fast and smooth ahead of ourselves. We make the roads, the roads wide. And so um, if you've driven down the highways near Brisbane of, of in recent years, you see that they've, they've increased the width of the highway. And so it's so easy to drive along that highway now. It's nice and smooth and you can do the speed limit. Some people do more, but like it's just nice and nice drive to go along there. Why? Because they have made it easier for us to drive along that road. And that was part of what John's role was to do, was to make it easier for people to get to Jesus. But the words also used in, this, in, this, um, in this, these verses basically got to the point as well where it's actually got a military sort of um, connection, a military context. Basically, it was the armies wanted to approach a city in a way that they could get their, their, their armies through convincingly. And so a lot of cities then were built in places where they're up high or they, the armies had to come through a valley to get to it, which reduced the impact of the army. And so basically this was some nations, what they would do, they would basically remove all blockages to get to a city that they don't conquer. So they were basically making a highway for their king to come and conquer a new city. And so in a spiritual sense, John was to remove any blockages from, from the world so they could approach, or so Jesus could approach the world in which we live. So God, through John, wanted to make Jesus accessible. Just a quick question on that. Do we make Jesus accessible by our lives? Do we as a church make Jesus accessible? We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But not only did... Um, did God have a plan for his people, but God always has words of hope for his people. So speaking back to the country sort of facing attack from Assyria and Babylon, God brought words of hope. So in verse 5 it says, The glory of the Lord will appear and all humanity together will, will see it from the mouth of the Lord, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. We jump down to verse 8 and it says, because basically it had that little phrase where it talks about the flowers and the grass withering and basically fading away. And it picks up in verse 8, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. Whether there's fire in a hotel, hey T.O., the word of God endures forever. It endures. And so 
basically what God is trying to say is that the message that he has, the message of the person of Jesus Christ that we have been given, it doesn't falter, it doesn't fail. It will address everything. Like the good Sunday school answer to any question in Sunday school class, what's the answer to this? Jesus. Well, Jesus is the answer to all the things that we face. Just that Jesus answers some things practically, some things emotionally, some things spiritually, some things socially. Sometimes God uses us to answer the question for Jesus, but the answer is Jesus. And God's word endures forever. It does not fail. So God always has words of hope for his people, but this is, this is where I find a beauty in, in this story of John, and, and we're going to be dragging this out over the next few weeks and, and sort of really digging into it. God not only planned for Jesus, and those who were with us before Christmas, we, we talked about how God spoke, was so excited about Jesus that he spoke about it 800 years before his birth. Well, before, before Jesus came, he did the same thing with John. God was planning this. He wanted us to know the truth of Jesus Christ. He didn't want us to sort of accidentally come across it. He didn't want us to, to be in a position where hopefully he'll get to us someday. Hopefully we'll see it on a Facebook post somewhere and it'll come into our feed and we can check it out that way. Because God not only planned for Jesus, he planned for Jesus' forerunner. He planned for the one who was going to come before him. And see, this becomes exciting because John had this unique place in history where his job was announced the King of Kings, the Son of God, the Saviour of the world, the one who would baptise with fire. The one that would transform not only the Israelite community, but the whole world. John had that job. And he did it with all humility. He did it with all courage. He did it with great obedience. He probably did it with great suffering. I can just imagine what camel hair feels like on a, in a, on a, a day in Rockhampton. Like, it wouldn't be comfortable. I'm glad we're not making that dress compulsory next week. It wouldn't be great. But John went, you know what, I'm willing to live in such a way so that I can draw attention to Jesus Christ. So it comes to this question. Understanding. This is a bit of a broad stroke this week and the next few weeks we're going to get a little bit more focused. The question then is, what does this all mean for me? Because some of you are still, after we've sort of said the word evangelism at the start, some of you are going, that's great, Keith. The church should be evangelising and I'll leave that to you to do it. I'm sure some of you are thinking that. Because again, we're thinking of our excuses, our reasons, we're thinking that we're unqualified, uneducated. And then, the thing is, all I've spoken about has done nothing to dissuade you from that because you go, oh, John the Baptist was the greatest person who ever lived outside of Jesus Christ. So, of course, he was able to do it, but not me. There are some principles in here for us because... John was given the job of first announcing Jesus, but we're also given that same job. We are given the job of announcing Jesus to a world in which we live. Now, sometimes we will use our words. And, and, and just to, I've heard the phrase, and you've probably heard the phrase, that I want to see people see the gospel through my life and my actions. That's great. But we can't hear the specifics of the gospels without our mouths. And for some of you, you're happy to talk about anything else in the world except Jesus. And so, again, I think that's one of those excuses we kind of have. I'm just going to live my life and I'm going to be a light in the world and people are going to come to know Jesus. 
Well, sometimes we need to speak the words. We need to talk about the Son of God who came into our history, who came to die for you and for you and for you. He came to forgive your sins and he wants to give you grace. We need to use our mouth. And so we are given that same job of announcing Jesus to our world. We, like John, we are, we are called to prepare the way for those around us. Now this is where it starts, we start making it a little bit difficult. Because just like John, we are asked to make our, the people's path straight, giving people direct access to Jesus. John's job was to make a highway so people could go at high speed and find Jesus Christ. We're given that same job. This is why we make it difficult. Sometimes we hide the way. We, we know where the truth is. And for some of us, even like, again, we're, sometimes we're worse than people that are living in countries where Christianity is illegal. We hide our faith. We lock it up. We're going to make sure no one can see it because we don't want, I don't know, we don't want people to know the love of God and the truth and peace and hope and the answer is Jesus. We, doesn't make sense, but we do hide it. So it makes the people hard to find the way when we don't have the directions. We don't give them to them. Sometimes we put obstacles in the way, it's like roadworks along the highway to find Jesus. And people are, are slow getting there and they go, oh, but you can't come to church like that. You've got to be a better person than that before you come to church. Or you can't wear that to church. Or you can't say that at church. Or, or, or yeah, well, I'm not even going to invite you to the church because I don't think you're good enough. We kind of exclude people. And so we actually give people obstacles along this highway to Jesus Christ. And this, we make it difficult for them to find it, which goes against our job description. We are made to make it easier. We are meant to prepare the way for people to find Jesus. Sometimes we give the wrong directions at times. Sometimes we live in a way that is actually not in our handbook at all. We're meant to be peacemakers. We're meant to be people that show grace. We are meant to be people that forgive. We are meant to be people that love. And people look at us and go, I do not want to be anything like you. Mahatma Gandhi famously said something along these lines that I would have, I, I'm amazed at Jesus Christ and I would have become a Christian if it weren't for his disciples. And when he was talking about disciples, he wasn't talking about Peter and John, he was talking about those people that followed Jesus today. Sometimes we give people the wrong direction because we hold on to the salvation of God that will get me into heaven, but we don't want the transformation that God wants to bring our lives. And I just thought of this phrase today, and you probably hear it again because I think it's a good phrase, so it probably comes, I know it comes from God, that God loves us enough to sit in the gutter with us. He loves us even more that he doesn't want to leave us there. And some of us, we go, oh, great, Jesus, you've got company in the misery. I've got company in my, in my situation. And God says, I don't want to leave you here. And we, again, we trick ourselves and go, this is the place I want to be. If your attitude stinks, God wants to change it. If you don't know joy, God wants to give it to you. If peace is missing in your life, Jesus goes, I've got abundantly for you. And so sometimes the way we live does contradict the message that comes of our mouth. And so we give wrong directions to people that are on the highway to find Jesus. And sometimes we just get to the place we put impregnable walls on the path that people can't enter. We actually write people off from the gospel of grace, from the one who came that anyone who may believe in him would not perish and have eternal life. 
we actually go, God, I'm going to do your job for you. This person doesn't deserve it. This people, person's not good enough. This person's done horrible things to me. And we wipe them off the slate and we put a wall up that prevents them from coming to Christ. But just like John, God wants to prepare us to prepare the way for Jesus. God wants to prepare us to prepare the way for Jesus. He wants to change us. Again, if we are people that are giving the wrong directions, God wants to get us to the point where we are living out all of the gospel. I don't have enough time to talk about all of the gospel this morning because you want to go out for morning tea. But all of the gospel could take us hours to talk about. And sometimes it takes years for us to truly discover it. Sometimes we experience it before we can actually put words to it. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is just so full and some of us are missing out on it. And God wants to prepare us with that first so that we can prepare the way for others to find Jesus. God wants to open us up to those who are around us, in our family, in our workplaces, As it says in the scripture, some sow, some water, some reap. God doesn't want to... Whatever excuse you're going to come up with, God has heard it before and probably a lot of times. But God says, no, I just just want you to be a part of this. I want you to be part of of sharing me with the world. Because the world not only needs God, needs Jesus, the world will benefit from him. It will. It will, truly will. I just want to finish with um, Isaiah 40, verse 9. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on the high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. Even though John was out in the wilderness, I can see him sort of really epitomising this verse where he took every opportunity to call people to God. Every opportunity to call people to repentance. And then every opportunity to point people to Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus' ministry thrive because he knew that was the truth. Now... I'm not sure where you are in your faith right now. Like, if I ask where, how are you going with God, most, most of the answer will be, oh, you're going pretty good, even if that was a lie, because you don't want to say something like that to the pastor. Okay? You want the pastor to think everything's going okay. But you, you know the answer, and God knows the answer to this question. I don't know where you are in your faith right now. But God does want you to be so excited about your faith that you can't keep your mouth shut. Now, I'm not sure about you. Does anything get you so excited that you, like, I know Pete loves animals. He talks about animals. Other people talk about other things that they're really passionate about. It might be footy. It might be their kids. And, and like, you come up talking to them. And it's not that long before they start, to, it just starts to dribble out of their mouth. For some kids, it's, it's talking about toys or, or this or that. Um, for some of our men, it's superheroes or Lego or whatever else. We, we get really excited about those things. And yet, Jesus very rarely dribbles out of our mouth. We, we sort of, we, we're very rarely stuck in a conversation. I can't wait till I bring up Jesus. Can't wait to tell people about the love of God. Can't, 
wait to tell him about the grace that I've experienced even this past week. We locked that up, we pushed that down, we shut the door and put the safe around it because I don't want that accidentally coming out at the wrong time. And this verse is basically saying the totally opposite. Put it on the tip of your tongue. Be excited about the God who loves you and loves the world that you live in. And declare it out every chance you get. Now, don't go all weird with this though. Okay? I see some of you have the potential of being a bit crazy with this if you take it really, really literal. Some of us are going to climb up in their house and go, here is our God! Okay, okay, context is really important. We do this in relationship. We do this, we help people prepare the way. But at the same time, I do not want anyone in my life getting to heaven saying, Keith, why didn't you tell me about Jesus? I was, I was preparing the soil like for a really long time. You've known me for 40 years. You were really hard soil. But you didn't say anything. It was in the, I don't, I don't want to be in that conversation and see one of my friends go off to hell. Prepare the way. Be excited about your faith. De- declare it. Declare the, the, the greatness of God in your life to those around you. And that's why the gospel is available to our young people. They can know the love of God in their life and they can tell others about it. Middle-aged people, again, you know the love of God. You can be excited about it. Your old people, you may be forgetting some of those things by that age, but you still should see enough of God's love around you in the present. You should be able to hold on to it for at least a day and share it with the world that you live in. I'm going to be talking about this over the next few weeks. and I'm hoping you get to the place where you're excited about the message that is in your hands. And when you look around all the people in your life who don't know Jesus, instead of shrinking back in and going, I don't know what to do with this, you actually look at them and look at them. I've got so, much, so many people that I can prepare to meet Jesus. And I better get busy. If you don't have any people to prepare at the moment, you better get praying. Because God wants you to prepare the way for him to know the people in your world. It's not my job to reach your friends. Jesus has given them to you. Love them enough to share Jesus with them. Let's just pray. Lord, we thank you that people have prepared the way for us to know you. And so, Lord, I just think back and I, I thank you for the people just in my life who opened the doors to the greatness of God. I thank you for my parents and, and those other people that were significant in me coming to know you. But Lord, I pray now that you would prepare, me you prepare, uh, the people that are sitting here in this church, that they would come to a point where they are wanting to live for you in such a mighty way. They are wanting to prepare the soil that is around them. Wanting to prepare people and make it a highway so people can easily access Jesus. I pray that we remove any obstacles that we have placed in the way. Uh, we, Lord, please forgive us when we've done that. But Lord, I pray that we would see this challenge today, that you have called each one of us to be a forerunner for you. And God, you've been preparing us and preparing the soil around us because you have a plan for your people. So Lord, as we start this journey this year, may we go before you in such a way that when people meet you through the words of our mouth, through the example of our life, through the prompting of the Holy Spirit, through even others who are around them, that they would come to a place where they would put their trust 
and the one who has brought so much to this world. They, they would learn to walk with Jesus Christ in faith and relationship. They would know the love of God and they would be changed by it. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. Challenge us as we go into this week to be a forerunner for you. I pray this in your name. Amen.